Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth in all areas of your life, personal, spiritual and professional. We have a number of initiatives that are designed to serve you as a Catholic woman in your life and you can find out more about these on our website www.geniusproject.co and I would love for you to come and join us on Instagram if you're on social media uh, genius underscore project underscore daily and our genius project YouTube channel you can see the live recordings of these episodes on this week's episode of the podcast I am joined by Madeline Carrington from Fire Up Ministries Madeline is a beautiful woman of God she lives in Sydney with her husband Simon they have three children she has done a lot of work in this area of theology of the body and Catholic womanhood and it is my great pleasure to introduce you to her. I actually think she was on the podcast many years ago when we first started but Madeline's sharing today on the role that theology of the body plays in transforming ourselves and our relationships with others and we spent a fair bit of time focusing on this idea of self-worth and some of the wounds that we experience as women in our self-worth and what we can do to overcome them so that we can show up as a gift to those that we do life with. So ladies I hope you enjoy this conversation with Madeline Carrington. Well, Madeline, welcome to the Genius Podcast. I'm so thrilled that you're joining me. You're based in Sydney and it's lovely to have you with me. So thank you. The pleasure's mine, Karen. It's lovely to be with you. It's so good. And I feel really blessed because this is your one day of the week where your husband gives you release time from the three kids and you've chosen to be with me on the podcast. I'm feeling quite special right now. I know how sacred that time is. So double thank you and gratitude. Of course. I love doing this work. It's great, Karen. Thank you. Well, Madeline, you and I connected, I I don't even know, was it 2018? I think it could have been 2018. I I remember exactly when it was, Karen. It was, yes, it was October 2018 and it was the sisterhood retreat here in Sydney. And I remember because it was the day after I found out I was pregnant with my first son. That's right. (laughs) And you shared that with me. That was so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just found out. So fantastic. And it was, and you were very beautiful. I met you through Sisterhood and you came on board the team for a little while and had your babies and you've had three children since then, which is amazing um, in the last couple of years. So it's a different season of life for you, but it was such a blessed time just working alongside you. And I know that in the work that your husband and you do and and in all you do, you just bring such a beautiful spirit and depth to your work, your work with young people, with women, with couples. Um, And I know that you're going to share so many good things and gems of wisdom today with us on the podcast. It should be which will be really good. So our topic today, Madeline, is we're talking around theology of the body and just how that's, I guess, impacted our life and how that can really shape and reframe our view of who we are and our core relationships. I think during COVID, so many people especially marriages hit the rocks. And and I know, I think I know 15 couples that split up over the last Mm. few years during COVID. And I think that just pressure of the lockdowns, 
brought to the surface a lot of issues for people. And what I see in my work with couples and relationships education is often that people lack the skills and the mindset to navigate these tricky waters. And what I'd love to do is shine light on how theology of the body can actually, I guess, really help us navigate this, how it can change our mindset and our perception of our relationship, our spouses, our children, the people we do life with. So that's going to be our big topic today. But before we dive in, I'd love you to share a little bit with us about your background and your story and how you came to be working in this area of theology of the body with your husband. Yes, thank you, Karen. So my story really uh, begins in going back to 2011 now. Um, So I was raised in a Catholic family, um, but really, you know, just kind of going through through the motions as as most of us do before you kind of decide or have that encounter with the Lord and decide to make the faith your own and really choose to to live it like I'm choosing this because I want this not because um you know my parents are, are leading me on this path so um 2011 was my first year at uni and I was um really fortunate to be able to go on a pilgrimage to um World Youth Day so we went to Madrid uh, for World Youth Day and the pilgrimage went via Egypt and Israel and so I knew no one on the pilgrimage and I was really um, out of my comfort zone to say the least. And it was really on that trip that I met some lifelong friends who I saw how they were living their faith and how they, um, their love for the Lord. And it just really inspired me. It was sort of, you know, you hear that phrase that the faith is uh, caught, not taught. And boy, did I catch it on that pilgrimage. So just from the witness of those those people who um, many of them are still my very dear friends to this day. So that was really, um, you know, that opportunity to have that encounter with the Lord. And it was on that that trip that I, I handed everything over to him and I surrendered my life. And I just, um, I had this realization in the depths of my heart that whatever the Lord led me to, whatever he asked me to do was going to be far better than anything I could orchestrate myself for my life. So that kind of let me give this whole yes to the Lord. And then um, about 18 months later, I moved to the US to do a year of mission with an organization there. So I was going into schools and um, parishes and giving pro-life and chastity talks. And that's really where my formation of the theology of the body happened. Okay. I was um, I was exposed to some of the best teachers in the world. I was in Philadelphia uh, which is a bit of a hub for for the theology of the body, um, where the institute is, the theology of the body institute. So I had a lot of teaching and formation during that year, and then I came home and back to Sydney, and I was wanting to extend those efforts of um, evangelizing, particularly the theology theology of the body, focusing on chastity and and the pro life message here with the with the youth in Sydney. And um, my husband had similar um, desires and he was he was doing similar things. And so a mutual friend put us in contact. And instead of, um, you know, just helping each other do some mission work, we ended up getting married. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> so I love it. That's how our, our journey, how journey came to be. And um, we set up Fire Up Ministries the same year we got married. And did you before you got are. married or after? Yeah, so we were, oh, everyone thought we were crazy, Karen. We were about seven months out from our wedding. And, and we, you set up a business, we, um, of course. We Yeah, we set up yeah, a, a ministry and a business that not many people thought would work. And um, and here we are six years later. Yeah. 
six and a half six years, years later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. It's not yeah, easy work. I know you. Jonathan and I set up choices. It'll be 20 years next year and wow. it's not, a, not easy work and there's a lot of sacrifice, but I know the fruits of your work are really beautiful and you're doing some fantastic mm. stuff in schools and the courses that you and your husband are running are, are very impactful. So I just want to thank you for your service and contribution to the lives of young people and, and the church as well. Thank you, Karen. It's a blessing. I always say the Lord called me to this work, um, not because I, you know, I'm special, but because I need to hear this message Amen. every day Amen. <laughs> for my own <laughs> salvation. Yeah. So it's a blessing. And it's an ongoing renewal, isn't it? The message, it just changes as the seasons of our life change. There's mm. deeper revelations and things that we can learn that can inform each season. I don't know about you. I'd love to hear your story of when you first encountered Theology of the Body and how that impacted you. Mm. Yeah, so I was, again, it was my first year of uni and um, I was connected to the the chaplaincy there and they were running this event um, about, and it was about a love and responsibility. So, which is the, the book um, that St. John Paul II wrote when he was a cardinal before the theology of the body. So it talks about um, basically loving, loving responsibly and, and the, um, the great privilege that that demand, that it is. And the sacrifice that it demands of us to love as Christ calls us to love. And so this series that they were doing at uni, I was I was volunteering, I was helping out, but I had no idea that the content was going to completely hit me and transform me. And I remember Karen hearing the message of chastity. So I'd gone through Catholic education my whole life and I'd never heard the message of chastity. And I remember hearing it. And you know, I didn't I didn't have a perfect past. So this message was um you know, and I had a relationship that ended at the end of high school that left me feeling really um, used, broken and worthless. And that's kind of the place I was in when I heard this message. And um, I remember hearing it and my, like, you know, they say like the ears of your heart, you know, my heart recognized the truth. And it was just so piercing, this message of, of chastity and authentic love, and that I was worth it. Because deep down, I believe we Every person knows that they're worth this love, but the culture doesn't um, doesn't affirm that for us. And so when you when I heard it, I knew it was the truth, even though I'd never quote unquote heard it before. I just my heart recognized that truth. And I remember feeling two things very strongly. The first thing I felt was this overwhelming joy and relief that there is more. I was made for more. Like deep down, I always knew it. And the second thing I felt was this like rage inside me that no one had told me about it before. And how could I go 19 years and no one has told me one of the most beautiful teachings, one of the most beautiful gems that our church has to offer? I never was told this message. And then that spiraled my, I couldn't get, I couldn't get enough books on Theology of the Body and couldn't hear enough talks. And yeah, but I remember that you know, joy and anger. And that's what really motivated me to want to share this with anyone who would listen. Yeah, it's so powerful. I I think I had a similar experience around Catholic womanhood, actually. So similar Mm. experience of going through high schools and youth group and running ministries, but never hearing the church's teaching on Catholic womanhood and John Paul II's beautiful teaching on the feminine genius. And it was like a light bulb went off 
inside of me. And that actually then led me to Theology of the Body. John, Jonathan and I studied at the John Paul II Institute in Melbourne. And oh my goodness, so we were a couple of years married at that point, but it honestly transformed our marriage, like in a, in a whole different way. So it's amazing how you can be really formed and be raised in the Catholic faith, yet not hear or have it resonate on that deeper level where it actually brings about transformation in a really powerful way. It's mm. a beautiful message. And, and I think theology of the body is a, a phrase that people use, but some people don't actually understand what it is. I'm wondering whether you can give us a breakdown. I mean, it's such a huge topic, right? I mean, Theology of the Body essentially is John Paul II's private audiences over many, many years. So on a podcast, we want to give a synopsis in about 60 seconds. <laughs> so that's not an easy task, but could you give us a little summary of what Theology of the Body is for people who don't understand or haven't heard of it? Well, I'll do my best, Karen. That is a tough task for a Thursday morning, but, but we'll, sure we'll give it a shot. <laughs> if anyone we'll can do it, it you can. <laughs> Oh, we'll try. We'll try. So, um, well, as you said, yeah, the Theology of the Body is a collection of, yeah, Pope John Paul II's private writings that and that he wrote. And then when he became Pope, he gave them over 129 Wednesday audiences. So I believe it was from 1979 to um, 1984. So over five years, he's giving these, these audiences. Um, and I'm pretty sure he he became the pope in 1978 um so that kind of indicates to me october 1978 and he started the next year so to me that's such an indicator of this this teaching was overflowing in him like the second he could he wanted to proclaim it and i just think it's just so beautiful how um you know he was given that global stage to share this teaching because it is such a transforming message and so if you look at, you know, if, I, if I'm trying to condense it in, in a few seconds, I would say the theology of the body is how, how God wants to love us and calls us to love. And it's the fundamental teaching is that every single person is a gift, that we are made in the image and likeness of God and that we are called to communion. We are called to be the body of Christ. And, you know, looking at the the theology of the body, it's it's how the body reveals God. And I mean, we could go, you know, one one way that the way St. John Paul writes, I mean, you've studied his writings, Karen, you know he's extremely philosophical and he tends to write, he keeps coming back to the point to reiterate it. So it's almost like one teacher explained it to me as though it's like a spiral, like he keeps going back to the same point but deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's really what the theology of the body does is it it draws us into the deep truths of humanity, to the deep truths of what it means to be male and female. And, you know, as, as you know, that there's such a need for that in our world today, this real understanding of masculinity and femininity, but not just an understanding, an embracing of it. And, a, a, you know, trying like as a woman, I need to live my femininity every day with everything that I am, you know, and, and that is really for me anyway, that's what the theology of the body has helped me understand and then strive to do. Um, so this understanding of the gift of, of um, humanity and what it means to be man and woman and then what to do with that. So that yes. communion, then that overflows into our relationships, um, which is really, yeah, the beautiful, where you see the, the fruition come, the beauty overflow from this teaching so what would have been the the core 
standout for you? Can you remember back to when you first came across it, when you were in the United States? Like, What was the the biggest thing that resonated with you that captivated your spirit? Oh, that's an easy one for me. The biggest thing was, was, um, was self-worth. It's that being understanding and actually personalizing something that I'd heard over and over again. The readings at Mass and, you know, I'd heard you are made in the image and likeness of God so many times, but I'd never thought about it personally. And so I feel like the theology of the body helped me do that. And I think every person needs to sit with that and make it personal because it's not, you know, man and woman or whether he's man or woman was made in the image and likeness of God, but it's you were made in the image and likeness of God. Something Pope Benedict says um, in one of his writings that really struck me was every single person is a thought of God. And so Karen, if you just pondered that for a minute in silence, I am a thought of God. What does that do to you? You know, like it's just these, this truth about our dignity and our worth is revolutionary, you know, Mm -hmm. for so many people. It was for me and it should change the way we see ourselves and the way that we see every other person and the way that we encounter everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what, what it did for me is that when I, when I, key teaching it changed the way I I bought my groceries you know I no longer just I saw it as an opportunity to to encounter someone change the way that I saw a homeless person in in the city you know and that's what it should do that's what the Catholic faith should do for us it it should change the way we live absolutely 100 Mm percent and I I love what you say that instant you knew straight away that it was self-worth and I think this Mm. is such a huge challenge for so many women especially in the work that I do in that private coaching space that really at the core of a lot of the issues that are playing out in women's lives is a profound lack of self-worth are you able to speak into I guess how we struggle with self-worth as women and and where those wounds come from. And then we might move into what women can do because I think this is one of the greatest struggles um, that women are battling with in private. So you might have really confident, really beautiful women and believe it or not, they struggle profoundly with a lack of self-worth. So can you speak into that? How, how do we get those wounds? How do, why do we struggle so much with it? And what, what can we do as women? Mm. That's such an important point, Karen. So I think, you know, when we look at that that question, we have to take a step back and recognize that we are made for love. You know, we are created by love and, and from love and for love. And we're not just, we're made for that sacrificial Christ-like love. And so whenever that's lacking or whenever that um, we don't know or we're not able to receive that, love I think it's a catalyst for starting to doubt our worth um and I think this comes from you know I mean I've been doing a lot of research and study on this at the moment actually and it begins in the womb you know we like in in utero we have got such an awareness of our surroundings and if our environment is safe and and all of those things and then um yeah there's a lot of fascinating research and evidence on that but so it starts off from from really the moment of of conception we we learn um to receive love and and needs to be to be given in the capacity that we can receive it and so I think you know going through childhood and you know I've got memories of being teased in kindergarten and I can tell you word for word what this one little boy said to me and that made me doubt a particular aspect of my appearance for many, many, many years, you know, 
I can remember another thing that I can see it. I can see the kid's face right now. I can see where we were in the playground. He said another thing to me. Another kid said another thing to me in year five. And it has such an impact on us. And so I think, you know, as much um, goodwill and as much effort that our that our parents and those around us um, try to to love us and and in the best capacity, best way that they can, there's all these external influences that make us doubt our worth and we hang on to those negative things. I don't know, don't know that why specifically, but we seem to be able to recall, um, as I just shared, like specific things that people say to us that are negative. Yes. But it's harder to bring to mind the positive things. And so I try and do this with my kids now. I mean, they're four, two and a half and one. And every single day I try or I do speak these truths over them. Like you are beautiful. You are worthy. Like you are so special and every single day try and fill their cup with these truths about who they are because I know the second they walk out that door, Karen, the second they go to preschool or school, some kid might say something to them or one teacher might be a bit abrupt one day and they're going to hold on to that. And I think that's what happens to uh, to so many women is we hold on to those negative things and maybe we don't have enough of the positivity um to counteract that and when I when I work with women I always give this analogy of imagine like a wooden bucket and if you put one drop of water in that empty wooden bucket it's going to soak up that drop of water so quickly um but if you have a bucket that is full of water and you put one drop in it it's just going to get absorbed into Mm -hmm the rest of the the water and the analogy for that is if our cup is full of um of our worth and our affirmation if someone compliments us it's only going to just add to that or if someone says something negative it's not going to impact um the level of water so much because our cup is full and so many women don't know where to go to get their bucket full and where we need to go is to the lord and you know i say to women and look karen i say i'm saying all this you know just so quickly but I have to do this all the time you know I battle with this it's a journey that's right but I say to women like if you're battling with your self-worth I say this to myself and you want to know what your worth is go before a crucifix and the Lord will tell you his arms are stretched out you are worth dying for like he loves you so much he thinks you are so beautiful and yet we go to the world for that affirmation you know and we're wondering why we have empty buckets (laughs) Yeah, and the or why that toxic. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so I think we need to know where to go. So I think I might have answered part two, but we need to know where to go to get that affirmation. And it's from the Lord, you know, it's from the Lord. It's from letting Him fill us up, pondering the truth that you are made in the image and likeness of God, that you are worth dying for, that um, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, most women, if they stood in front of a mirror and looked at themselves, they could point out 10 things they, they don't like about their body in, in two seconds. Whereas if I said, what do you love about, you know, what features do you love about yourself? We don't know how to we deal struggle, with that question. don't we? Yeah. yeah. Really and it's like, God made you. Like, you didn't sit there with a computer and choose all your features. Like, God did, like, you didn't. Like he made you, right? He created you. And it says, and Karen, sorry, I know I'm getting carried away here, but. No, this is great. This is really (laughs) coming to my mind. It's like in in Psalm 139, it says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. Like you think about the intricacy of that, of how God made you, of how he, you know, he says he knit us together in his mother's womb. And um, 
funny. This came to me in prayer the other day, and um, there's I was I was very fortunate once to visit a beautiful island um, off um, Venice in Italy, and it's called Burano. And they are famous for their lace making. And I, if you're, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with this or you haven't seen or heard, I really encourage anyone listening, like just Google Burano lace makers um, or have a look at some of the, the lace work. It's just out of this world. It's like nothing you've ever seen. And it's just so intricate and so beautiful. And um, I don't know why it came to me in prayer the other day. Maybe it was for this podcast, but I was, I Googled it and I was just watching these women make these 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 beautiful intricate lace garments and this um technique and this um trade is passed on through the generations and so there's still generation like generations of of women who are making this lace in Burano and you know it comes with a with a pretty price tag today because the art is being lost and it's so rare and it's so time consuming and beautiful but it just made me reflect on just the how we are called as women well, as, as men and women, but specifically we're talking about women, how we are called to co-create with God and the intricacies of how we are called. It's so unique to every woman. And we are called to make this beautiful artwork of our lives, so to speak. But if we don't have the belief that we are worth that, if we don't have the skills to be able to fulfill the call that God has given us, we're not going to be able to, you know, if I can use this analogy, present this beautiful lace work to the world of what God has called us to do, what God has called us to make of our lives. And so I really do feel as women, we owe it to ourselves, but also to the rest of the world, to the rest of humanity. It's like to those that we love to be the woman God is calling us to be so that we can actually serve in the capacity that it's calling us to serve. Um, and I, I, I do, I firmly believe that we rob the world if we do not step into our calling as women. Yeah, amen. You know, like you imagine if Mother Teresa didn't say yes. You know, Karen, I once read 16,000 people died in her arms. Wow. 16,000 people. I mean, and she ministered to thousands more, but that 16,000 people that wouldn't have known the love of Christ in that moment or may not have known the love of Christ in that moment of, of their death, you know. And, I mean, you can go even one step further and what would have happened if Mary didn't say yes, you know. And we can we can get caught up in these beautiful, you know, s- stories and, and um, the lives of the saints, but you're called to the same thing. Like, Karen, the world would be so lacking if you didn't say yes to what God was calling you to do. And that goes for every single woman listening to this podcast. The world is robbed if you do not say yes to whatever it is that God is calling you to do, however he's calling you to, to live your, your femininity in the world. So I think that is only made possible when we truly know our worth in Christ and we step out in faith with him. 100%, Madeline, so good and so true. And I think you've really, you've just summed up that up absolutely perfectly that we have to go to God to have that unconditional Mm. regard and to be filled with his unconditional love because even our parents who do love us so much and and for the majority most have really good parents um their love is imperfect so we're going to be wounded 
And so Henry Nguyen talks about this, the first love, the second love. Mm. The first love is that of the father and it is an unconditional love that loves us in our flaws, our weaknesses, our imperfections, our sin, in all of it. He loves us unconditionally. And it's quite, if if you just sit with that for a moment, like you said, coming before the crucifix and, and staring up at the crucifix and realizing that there is a love that God has for you, that he wanted you here. He wanted you to exist. Mm-hmm. He intentionally created you with all of your gifts, your personality, your talents for a purpose. That's a profound life-altering revelation right there, isn't it? Like that's, that just has the power to change how you show up. And I think also something I've noticed in women is that when they struggle with self-worth, yes, it's coming from wounds, but it also becomes a bit of introspection and and looking in and and sometimes that can be prideful it can be fear-based but when we look up at Christ and we take that focus of ourselves it's almost like these things just fall away from us the fear and the lack of self-worth evaporate and they fall away in the presence of his love and when we have that focus sort of elevating our gaze to him and to heaven uh, it's like Peter walking on water if we we have our eyes fixed firmly on him then None of it matters, but it is a discipline and and there are so many skills that we need to learn so that we can walk that journey. Can you speak into from, I know we're sort of digressing a little bit, but it is linked with theology of the body, but we can have this spiritual formation. We can have this spiritual understanding, but I also think sometimes we lack the skills because we weren't raised a particular way to actually know how to do this. How do we keep our eyes set on Christ? How do we manage self-worth in our everyday life? Like what are some of the practical skills that women, I guess, need to learn and and to manage themselves and self-worth? That's a very good good question, Karen. I think um, the first thing that comes to my mind is we need to live a life of of discipline I think that that really you know for me that's been crucial um in helping me step into to my God-given call is this this life of of discipline and first and foremost that should encompass our prayer life because as you were saying as you just um shared so beautifully when we do keep our eyes fixed on the Lord everything else just kind of it gives us that perspective you know, of ourselves, but then also um, everything else that we have to juggle and, and everything else going on in our life. And so I think when we can have that discipline in our prayer life, we um, give ourselves a better chance at not getting distracted by the storms um, and keeping our eyes fixed on him. And, you know, I'm what's come to my mind is there's a beautiful um, sort of reflection that uh, St. Francis would pray. And he would, as he, when he was praying, he would, he would say like, Lord, who are you? and who am I? So reveal more to me about who you are and that will tell me more about who I am because the more that we understand about God's love, the more that we can understand ourselves. And obviously that flows on into how we see other people as well, um, That coming back to that, seeing every person as a gift. So I think, um, yeah, and that, you know, has really helped. Like for me, like routine is crucial. Like if I don't mm. get up before my kids, it's very yeah. hard for me to find that quiet time with the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> like very, very hard, you know, and mm. and I make daily mass um a really a big something that we really strive to. I mean I've got I've got three little kids. It's not always easy to yes. do it and doesn't happen every day, but it's a goal. Um 
but I got to be honest, Karen, I, if I have to do the readings before, <laughs> or I don't, I don't hear what's going on with the, with the kids, you know, cause it's, it's, you know, trying to get them to, to, to show up for Jesus as well. And to, to teach them those habits too. But um, for me, that, that quiet time in the morning is really, is really so important. Um, yeah. And then, you know, if I can have those anchors in my day um, to just stay connected to the Lord as well is, um, is really helpful um so i would say that's the most important thing is that discipline with the spiritual life and your prayer life but then on another like on a on a different note on a practical note it's a lot of um it's a lot of um discipline around your thoughts and for me that's been a huge thing is learning to manage my mind um and for any of your listeners who want to learn more about this karen i highly recommend uh dr caroline leaf she's a christian Um, neurologist are you familiar with her yeah she's fantastic very good she is unbelievable and she's got um a lot of great great books but also just um just tips on how to rewire negative thought patterns that aren't serving you and and um I actually I did this recently I wanted to do you know we always talk about spring cleaning our house well I wanted to spring clean my mind and so I sat down and I wrote down a whole list of thoughts that I think that don't serve me because 90% of the thoughts that we think every day are repeated. Yeah. Um, like we, and we know that we ruminate the same thoughts. We have the same thoughts about different people, about different things, about food, whatever. So um, I just wrote down a list of thoughts that I think regularly that don't serve me, that, that put me in a negative mood or whatever it was. And then an alternative script or an alternative thought that I want to replace that with because that's how I mean this is a yes. whole there's a whole course on this this is like a yeah you know, crash course but but yeah. we can we can if we do a lot of hard work we can um we can do that and a lot of people think oh this you know being disciplined is really hard well I want to challenge you and say that not being disciplined is it's harder. very hard absolutely I've often saying in my master class which hard do you want to choose because either is going to be hard <laughs> so it's a choice that's right that's right yeah. And so I think that that's also really important too. It's like being aware of your your thoughts and that is what helps the self-worth because what solidifies these um, insecurities or these this lack of self-worth is us continually um, saying negative things about ourselves. So, for example, if I can just give you a small example, I mentioned that there was a boy in when I was in kindergarten who said something negative to me he said one nasty thing about my appearance. He didn't say it to me every day for the rest of my life, mm. but I kept thinking it. And it's yeah. because I chose to hold on to that comment or that thought and I kept replaying it and it became a seed of doubt for my worth and my beauty. And then it turned into part of my identity. And so I think that's what you were saying before as well. We've got to take that to the Lord. We've got to let him show us who our our identity let him give us our identity not let the world give our us our identity and certainly not let a little boy in kindergarten give you your identity right so it's like letting our identity come from being a daughter a beloved daughter of the lord um is so important and we are that's a thing we've got to remember karen too is like we are a daughter of god before anything else so before you are a wife or a mother or a friend or you know a business owner or a ceo you are a daughter of God. Like we have to, as women, be so fierce at not letting our identity get caught up in what we do or these other labels. That's definitely part of it, but it's we are a daughter of God. And if that comes first, if that order's right, 
it's going to be a lot harder for the enemy to sneak in and try and confuse us about our worth and our identity as a woman. Yeah, yeah. so good, Madeline. That's great. And I'd love to just reiterate what you're saying there about managing mindset because really that's where it comes from. And it's a profound revelation when you understand the power that God gives you through your intellect and your will to choose your thoughts. We often Mm. say in coaching that thoughts are nothing more than sentences going through your head. So you can actually choose your thoughts. That is a powerful revelation. And it ties into something you said earlier, where we are given the ability to co-create our lives with the Lord. And he gives us that ability and that beautiful scripture about being disciplined and learning to take captive every thought and making it obedient to Christ. Like we are actually called to that life of discipline in our thoughts as well as all other areas of our life. So profound wisdom there, Madeline. It's beautifully said. So thank you. And I really hope that women pick up on that. I think if women are struggling with self-worth, just to begin going before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, I really recommend that. And then even writing out every scripture, that he speaks to us about our value and our worth and our dignity and just meditating on those because you're right, we spend way too much time meditating on things from days long ago um, and they do have a way of becoming part of our identity. So there's such an invitation and a journey there for women and God really wants their healing, wants their restoration in that area. So I I think, you know, we've looked at self-worth and that has, whether we struggle with it or not, it has a way of spilling over into our relationships. And I think this is where I'd love to tie theology of the body in because obviously knowing ourselves, knowing who we are before the Lord, then changes Mm. the way we show up in our relationships. This idea of theology of the body and the, the really one of the elements that I want to highlight is this idea of gift because we're living in a world that is so individualistic it's become so secular it's all about me very narcissistic and we lose sight even as faithful catholics of this idea of self-gift that our lives and how we show up we're showing up in every interaction we should be seeking to be a gift seeking to make a gift of ourselves to others but the world has a way of sort of getting in and, and undermining that idea of self-gift. Can you speak into this idea of theology of the body and self-gift and what that means and how we can tie that into our relationships as women? It's a very important point. And you're right. It's like, you know, it's just something as well that I've experienced in my own life. It's like the more that I am allowing myself to be filled up with the, the love of Christ, the better I'm able to love those around me. And so um, seeing firstly myself as a gift helps to then recognize everyone else as a gift. But then the next step to that, Karen, I think is helping them realize they're a gift. So you see yourself as a gift, you see others as a gift, and then you help them see themselves as a gift because oftentimes that's, um, you know, that's lost. And I know this is, this is sensitive, but we used to, we used to talk a lot about this when I was doing my pro-life work in America that, um, you know, abortion exists because women don't know their worth. They don't know them that they're a gift. And so how are they able to recognize the gift of that child in their womb? Um, oftentimes not always the case but but it, but generally that's that's the pattern that we were seeing when we were working with women and so i think that is so profound to understanding the dignity of the human person is that everyone is a beloved son or daughter 
of God and everyone is called to um, union and communion with him and together we build up the body of Christ and so we know that you know sin wounds the body of Christ or if there's um, um, division it wounds the body of Christ you know we're we're stronger together so to speak and so I think with when it comes to really this link between our self-worth and the theology of the body and our relationships it's understanding that we're called to love as Christ loves but in our humanity we are imperfect and so if I can use my marriage as an example um you know the love I have for Simon as my husband Simon as much as I would like it to be unconditional because I'm human it's conditional but what I can do is allow Christ to love him through me you know that my call to loving Christ is to love my husband as best as I can and vice versa and I think if we can we can do that then it really can transform our relationships and I know um as well being a mother now and having three little ones I remember being hit with this immense fear when I was pregnant with um, my first being like oh my gosh I'm gonna wound this child one day like I'm gonna do everything I, I want to be the best parent like where's the book on how to be a perfect parent it doesn't exist because it's not possible mm-hmm. we can try as much as we can but I remember this this re- like realization of oh my gosh I'm gonna do my absolute best but I am going to I am going to fall short I am not going to be able to love this child perfectly. And I think um, realizing, okay, what can I do about that? Well, I can invite the Lord into that and to make up where I lack. And so I pray now like, Lord or Mary, please make up, you know, I ask you to, to make up where I lack in my motherhood, you know, and Simon prays the same for his fatherhood with, with the Lord. And so it's like realizing that, you know, the Lord wants to be part of every part of our life. And so inviting him in and realizing that we're made for this love and we're called to give this love can really help our relationships. And if I can just say one more thing on this, Karen, I think the most important relationship that the theology of the body can can impact is our relationship with the Lord. And on a deeper, um, like just a deeper, to go deeper here, it's our um, our understanding and our love for the Eucharist as well. Because the theology of the body, you know, is it reveals um, how we are called to participate in the body of Christ. But when we look at it, our real understanding comes from the incarnation where God became man so that, um he could he could die for us and save us from our sins and then he loves us so much that he continues to make himself available um in the eucharist to us to nourish us and i think that if we make our life this this eucharistic pattern um then we can really draw into the heart of what what we're called to which is ultimately that union with god for eternity yeah, yeah, beautifully said, Madeline. And and it also ties into that sacrificial nature of love. It keeps us ever focused on what love really is, to will the good of the other and to lay down one's life for somebody else, as opposed to this cultural idea of love or, you know, what people are 
doing for me and how they're satisfying me. It's about how can I lay my life down as a gift to you? And and I think it's so much in Theology of the Body and, and it's so dense, but do you can you recommend, I guess, a summary um, book or resource or podcast where people could go to learn a little bit more? Because I think it's like um, sowing seeds and we just need to keep mm-hmm. following those seeds and those revelations come as we peel back more and more layers. Can you recommend Mm. any resources for people to go a little bit deeper with this content? Absolutely. Well, I hope you don't mind, Karen, but I, I have to, I have to give my husband a plug here. Please um, do. Because he runs, <laughs> he runs um, a brilliant course on, on the theology of the yes, body, the six week course. We have um, an online version, which will probably run later next year, but he does have in-person courses and he will travel to your parish to run it. Um, but Simon has really, um, he's worked very hard over the last few years to study the theology theology of the body but then make it really accessible um for for everyone so you can definitely check out fire up ministries um and have a look at our upcoming events and online resources but karen if i had to um recommend a book i would definitely recommend um christopher west fill these hearts um i just think that's such a beautiful entry point into all this stuff because it just gets things stirring and just Mm. gets us in touch with that ache for more that ache for heaven which we all have and then that just opens up this chasm of longing for the infinite which is you know we didn't really talk about that but that's a flow-on effect I think from the theology of the body is this um you know our hearts were made for the infinite and so nothing finite can fill it and everything in this world is is finite um except you know the love of God and so we want to have that point to get us to the point where we are just exploding we want to feel like we want to explode and we want we want more you know we want we want like fill us Lord you know like let us you like that ache for heaven and when you read the when the the um, mystic saints the experiences that they've had it's kind of just this yes. opening up for that desire for heaven which is what we're made for you know every human person's made for heaven they just don't know it or they just disguise it um with things of the world you know and so I really like that book just to it just I don't know it pulls on the heartstrings Fantastic. um what is the and name anything, of the book again Tell me the name. It's called Fill These Hearts Fill These by Hearts. Christopher West. Yeah, and um, or anything, if you just have a look, anything by the Theology of the Body Institute or Christopher West. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think so I started there. with um, Theology of the Body for Beginners. It was a very short book that he wrote many years ago and it's all highlighted. But it, it's such yeah. beautiful content and I really do encourage women to go a little bit deeper with it. I know for myself mm. the capacity that it had to totally transform my marriage was profound and it did transform my marriage and the way I parent. And I just really encourage women to dig deep. Um, I'll put the link to Fire Up Ministries in the show notes. But Madeline, thank you so much for sharing your beautiful wisdom. You're such a beautiful soul and I'm so grateful to have had this opportunity to, to chat with you today. Oh, thank you so much, Karen. It was a blessing. Thank you. What a great conversation with Madeline. I hope that you were able to take away some real gems from that talk. If you'd like to learn more about Simon and Madeline's work, you can visit Fire Up Ministries. If you're interested in any of those resources on Theology of the Body, I've put the links to those books in the show notes. I've also added another link 
There was a very small book that I wrote many years ago called Theology of the Body, Some Thoughts and Reflections. And it's a very concise little summary, very simple on Theology of the Body. And the link for that is in the show notes as well. Well, ladies, over the course of this next week, I really want to encourage you to get some time before the Blessed Sacrament in adoration. Just bringing to the Lord some of those wounds that you might have, some of those heartaches, and just bringing them to Him and asking Him to bring about His healing peace and restoration. Until next week, ladies, have a beautiful week. God bless you. And I look forward to joining you again on the Genius Podcast next week.